This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is a program called Pleased to Meet You. I'm Ken Morrison, and in this program I introduce you, the listener, to the voices behind the microphones here at Radio Kidnappers. And today it's my pleasure to be talking to David Dexter Mitchell, who's the host of Kidnappers Kids. How are you going, David? I'm good, thanks, Ken. Before we get into today's topic, which is you, just uh, give us a 30-second uh, cap on what your program's all about. Right, um... Kidnappers Kids, I think it's called Kidnappers Kids, it might have been uh, Kids Time with Dexter, but one of those two. The content is um, stories, songs, poems, um, mostly uh, me playing them and reading some of them. Um, I try not to inflict too much singing on anyone at any one time. It's not that bad. Um, But every now and again... I ask for people to send in their songs, stories, poems, jokes. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. What made you want to do that sort of program? That sort of program? Um, Some time ago, when I was a little kid, I used to listen at all sorts of times to not particularly kids' programs, Mm. but comedy programs. The Goons. Mm. Yes, indeed. Um, Classic radio. But I also can remember... um, uh, listening to um, the children's program that was on usually every Sunday, early hours of the morning. That's right. Be, yeah. I remember that. And we've even actually got some of the stories that they used to play way back then. <laughs> the Legend of the Lone Ranger. Yeah. Favourite. Yep. All right, so we're going to get to know you a bit better, David. I want you to wind the clock back. Tell us about uh, growing up. Where did you grow up? I grew up here in Hawke's Bay, over in... Um, not far from Green Meadows, I lived in a lovely little neighbourhood called Jervos Town. Yes, I know it, yes. And um, we were almost semi-rural, because we were slightly off, off the main street mm-hmm. of Taradale and Green Meadows. Um, I learnt years later that where we were, which Jervos uh, Town, Jervos Road, started off as Park Road, then became Jervos Road, was actually going to be... So I'm told the main street of what became Taradale. <laughs> really? But then along came an earthquake and moved things about a bit and created Tamatea. And so they moved it sideways. All right. Tell us about that. Um, what was family life like for you? Do you have fond memories of growing up? Yeah. Um, I was the spoilt youngest of four. Um, I had an older sister. Well, I still have cross my fingers I still have an older sister and two older brothers Um, there was lots of kids around there a few friends of mine that I still know from way way back then and we were running in and out of each other's houses and climbing up and down trees back then there wasn't so many houses there was also a few paddocks Mm. with cows in them and yeah but you've noticed a change over there Mm. there's lots more houses um, pretty much all the paddocks that had cows in them. Um, one of the neighbours actually owned quite a, a lot of land where there's now houses, and people used to um, keep their riding horses there. And, uh, yeah, 
it was it was a fun fun place to be. Um, pretty relaxed, pretty safe. Um, we didn't have to worry about too much traffic racing up and down the roads. Did you have the sort of life where you went out at eight o'clock in the morning and then you came back at tea time? Was it that sort of growing up? Yeah, that was it. Um, occasionally, yeah, tea time, and then in summer, going back out again until the sun went down. What was school like for you back then? School, um, also pretty good. I was uh, went in classes, ate my lunch. Uh, <laughs> I did a little bit more than eat my lunch. Um, Again, some, some marvellous teachers, um, all sorts of things that I, what I remember from school is um, very early on, I can remember one, one year, and uh, dare I mention what decade it was, it was the late 60s, and the school did a, a, a hungi, and that was something quite novel and mm. new back then. And uh, early hours of the morning before the sun was up, the guys were digging the pits and um, doing the, the pile of wood and the stones. And um, I can remember it even being explained to me how they went and found the right stones that wouldn't crack under the heat. Mm. Um, and we had a swimming pool. Um, we even did, um, when I was in the what used to be called the Standards, Oh, yes. Um, I was in Standard 2 and they had a library was being built for Green Meadows Primary School. And while that library was built, they somehow chose our Standard 2 class and the Standard 4 class to uh, move off site so nobody had to be right next door to the building. Mm. And we spent half of that year in the hall at the back of Columbus Church down the road mm. in St. Columbus, and the other half in the, the year in a, um, a little town hall uh, just around the corner from Green Meadows Shops uh, on Avenue Road. There was some sort of shop I can remember on the corner and then this hall behind it. Mm. The shop on the corner there had been there so long it had a horse hitching post <laughs> out the front. And because we were um, being such good kids and away from the school, that year, the combined class of the fourth uh, Standard 4 and the Standard 2 did a school production in that hall of the Pied Piper of Hamelin. Oh, right. And I was a villager folk with a top hat. and It was great fun. Okay, now we're going to fast forward just a little bit. Um, schooling's over. The world is your oyster. What's happened next? Uh, well, my school days were over. Um, I had a little look at doing some tertiary study. At that time, didn't like that. So they went, pardon me, I went off and, and got work. Um, I did all sorts of things. I worked for um, the local district health board in their stores department. Um, I worked um, in the uh, court office uh, in the dealing with the, the fines enforcement, sending out people notices, <laughs> reminding them to pay their fines. And um, I had an interesting job working um, for police. Uh, I was a civilian employee, and that was when they were updating their lists of people who owned firearms. And it was something with a delightful name called Project Foresight. Oh, really? 
We go- it was not as fun as it sounds. We were going through long lists of electoral rolls and phone books and to see if these people had still had the same address when they were sending out their reminder notices mm. and the likes. Have you travelled at all overseas? I've had one exciting trip overseas um, for my <clears throat> 50th birthday. Uh, my brother and I travelled overseas for a month. Um, my main reason for wanting to travel overseas, I'm somewhat of a Doctor Who fan. And that year was the 50th anniversary of the programme. And so I wanted to, one place I wanted to go to was Cardiff, where they filmed uh, the inside of the TARDIS. Mm. And they also have, um, a, well, they did have then, a great exhibition of um, past costumes, past characters from way back to when it started in 1963. And so that had to be part of my trip. Mm. But our trip took us uh, from New Zealand to uh, Singapore, a little stop off there for a while. Then uh, we travelled um, to Dublin in Ireland um, and got around and saw the sights of, of the, the, the literary lights of, of James Joyce and Oscar Wilde. And, and also we made a, a necessary trip to uh, the Jameson Distillery and uh, the Guinness Storehouse. Because you're a fan of craft beer, aren't you? Oh, yes. Um, they have had these wonderful little um, bars or pubs in, in Ireland, and they're called Snugs. And it's, it's, they're about the size of your living room. Yes. They're little tiny places. Um, but we went from there to uh, Cardiff, and had a good tour around there. There's more to it than Doctor Who. It's mm. a marvellous little place. Um, had a train from there to London. And all of these places we went to, they all have these bus tours. And you go with a commentary and you go around and, and visit them. And then you stop off at any point, have a look around and hop back on the bus again. And it's marvellous. London, again, we went to... Found, it, it was a wonderful place to walk around, get lost, and find your way back again. Yes. If you could travel anywhere else in the world, where would you go? Mm, where would I go? Um, I'd probably like to go back to some other spots in Europe, because the only place in mainland Europe we went to was uh, France, uh, Paris, namely. Um, my brother's done a bit more travelling. Um, he's been to Italy, um, the wonderful food there. And also, he's been to Cuba. And mm, that'd be fabulous, wouldn't it? Yes, the history in that place is... is the cars they've got are mm. marvellous. Well, it's obvious that you're a, a Hawke's Bay boy through and through. What is it about Hawke's Bay that, that you love? What keeps you here? <gasps> what keeps me here? Um, there's what I can get to do here, and also just all the people that I know here. Mm. Um, both, both family and friends. Um, but also, the world comes here as well. Um, I was in a show just recently and at Napier Repertory and we had some of us who were born and bred here in Hawke's Bay and have been away and come back again. We had um, American, we had French, we had... Um, in another production we had German, I think. Um, 
And yeah, so you you get out there and do things here in Hawke's Bay and the locals and the imports that you meet is just marvellous. Good segue into I was going to ask you what you do for a bit of R&R and uh, you're a, a local actor and have been on uh, many stages across Hawke's Bay over the years. What is it about acting that you like? Um, being somebody else, playing a, playing a role, um, being involved in that story on the stage and telling that story on mm. stage. Uh, I think I've, I've sort of definitely inherited that um, in everything I do. Sometimes it's it's not quite the right time, but everything I do, like my dad, I'm sort of a storyteller. Yes. And um, it's taking the words of, of the of the author, the writer, the, play, the playwright, and bringing them to life, bringing the characters to life, um, finding for myself, so it's, yeah, I, I find for myself who that person is. So it's like, you know, when you so, play the character, you meet someone yeah. new. So it's some form of escapism for you and you become that character. Is it hard to leave the character behind you when you when the curtain finally comes down on whatever you're in? Um, some take a little bit longer to leave. Um, I definitely get back to me. Um, there's this funny thing of, particularly with comedies um, if there's a line that you find particularly funny you can find weeks months years later uh, there's a conversation going and that line just comes out of your mouth <laughs> yes. it fits the conversation but yes. Uh, yes I wonder when you um, when you think about what you've done so far in your life what's, what's, the, what's that moment you feel most proud of in your life mm. What's that moment? Um, there's a there's a couple of moments, um, and one of them in my head. This sounds so too much um, or too obvious, but I'm very proud of now for five years being a dad, mm-hmm. um, and it's more to do with what I. Um, can do for my child mm-hmm. and what I learn from the process, the journey of being a dad. Mm. Is, yeah, there's, there's always something new. Good answer. What's the best bit of advice that anyone has ever given you? Hmm. If you're going to borrow any of my tools, put them back when you found them. <laughs> so someone else can find it in the same place, particularly you. Yeah. That's my dad. Now, if you could go back in time and visit an 18-year-old David Mitchell, what bit of advice might you give yourself? And would that David Mitchell listen to you? Probably the best bit of advice is take some more chances. Don't worry if you make some mistakes. As to whether 18-year-old David would listen, I'm not sure. But he'd probably still carry on making the mistakes, especially the one of maybe not listening. But (laughs) a couple of years later, he might. (laughs) 
If you had a chance of a do-over in life, you know, people often think, oh, maybe if I just turn left instead of turning right. If you had that opportunity, what would you do differently? It's, it's one I've often thought of, and it's partly because um, I love referring to Doctor Who. Um, it's one about time travel. And funnily enough, um, there is a really interesting episode which is called Turn Left. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about that thing of making a decision one way or another. And ultimately... Um, if I had turned left, because um, actually I've got a funny story uh, about um, ch- choosing to turn left or turn right, and that made a big change in my life. Turning the other way means there would have been another set of decisions and another mm. set of things that good, bad, tough, easy. So in a way, it's, no, I wouldn't change it. All right. What's the skill that you'd uh, like to learn and why? I mean, I know you're a clever bloke and you can do lots of things, but what, what's, it, what's something that you wish you could do? And, uh... um, I sort of wish I had, I suppose the two main ones actually is, um, had a better opportunity when I was younger to um, learn to play the piano mm. with the brain more flexible and yeah alright I'm not sure about you whether or not you um, like stuff or not you might be a minimalist and if you could only keep three things what would they be? three things hmm. um, as in because my head goes um, books, TV, computers, clothes, um, a chair. Um, yes. <laughs> it depends on what I had to choose from. Right. Who do you admire, David, and why? Who do I admire? How many people? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's another question coming up, which I'm sure you can get um, to be. Amongst but. the people I admire, um, my dad's dead. He's passed. Um, but I st- um, my mum's still here. So I'm still every now and again learning a little something different or I'll revisit a memory and... Um, He was not alive when I had a child. Mm. So after five years of having a child of my own, uh, it gives me a different perspective of, um, and I suppose it's because the reason why I, he's one of the people I admire is um, as my life progresses, I keep getting a new insight into everything that he did. Mm-hmm. Um and how he, even in his retirement years, adapted to different changes. And there was a lot more changes after he retired, I think, than, than when he was working. Um, yeah, so he's definitely one of my people I admire. 
There's, mm. there's, there's a few others for, for different reasons. If you became Prime Minister tomorrow, David, what's the first thing you'd change? I'd change how they chose Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, what would I change? I'd change my suit. Um, I really don't know. Um, it's, not, it's not something that I'd want to do. No, I'm sure this is a question you might have pondered over the years. Two people over for dinner, living or dead, who might they be? Mm. Oh. Um, living, Stephen Fry, mm-hmm. um, dead, and this answer would probably change on other occasions but right now Carl Sagan well why those guys why those guys um Stephen Fry it's it's his writing or actually I could invite David Mitchell there's a English author comedian and author can I invite him instead um they're both Stephen and David um uh, authors, they have these marvellous wit and humour and um, da- this David Mitchell is part of Mitchell and Webb and he's been on um, oh, it's one of those quiz show programmes and it's got cats in the title. Oh yes, I know, I know the one you mean. Yes. yes. Um, and Carl Sagan it's he was a science fiction writer, but also he, he wrote about a lot of other things as well. So I probably know the answer to this question. Life on other planets, yes or no? I think so. One more question to go. Oh, it's going to be a split question. When you, David Mitchell, finally leave this world, how do you think you're going to be remembered? Well, how would you like to be remembered? With a smile. And if you could write your own epitaph, what would it be? Mm, my own epitaph. Um, Not that one by Spike Milligan, which says, I told you I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, my own epitaph. Um, I think there's a few other people that want to do the same thing, which is at, at the um, funeral or... or um, Ceremony after after you've passed, you have somebody turn up wearing the same clothes you're wearing, holding a sonic screwdriver, that's a Doctor Who instrument, <laughs> saying, right, now is where things get tricky. <laughs> um, no, my epitaph is oh, off the cuff here. Thanks for the time. It's been fun. Let's slip in one more question. Got another minute to fill. When you get home tonight and you put your feet up and you've got that glass of orange juice, what makes you think, wow, that was a great day? Mm. Um, silly little things. Walking along the footpath and I, and I see the um, postman Patricia coming, coming, scooting along and... I step to one side, give her the path, uh, and a cherry wave. 
David Mitchell, my pleasure to talk to you on this. Pleased to meet you. You look after yourself. We'll talk to you again sometime in the near future. All right. Thanks, Ken. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.